Let's read from Second Peter, chapter one, verses sixteen to twenty-one. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses to his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Well, Peter has been reminding us of the fact that we are to build onto the faith that we have received in Jesus Christ. Now, while this faith has been given to us as a gift, it's for us to make use of it for the glory of God. And the apostle tells us that God has given us all things for life and godliness, and we have everything we need in this faith for a life of true godliness and power. We have the great and precious promises of God to sustain and to empower us in the life before us. But what will we do with the faith that is given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ? Many Christians never build onto their faith. They never reach their potential. They never really mature in the faith that has been given to them. Like the servant who buried his talent, they return to the Lord what he has given to them, a mere foundation with nothing to show for years, live with the power of God at their disposal. And so it's for this very reason that Peter tells his listeners that they would do, that they would, should make every effort, that he would make every effort rather, to remind them of the importance of building onto the foundation of faith that they had received in Jesus Christ. It's from this context that Peter moves on now to speak of the faith that we have in Jesus Christ. Notice what he tells us in verse 16. For we do not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Observe here the word for at the beginning of the verse. The word indicates that the verse is connected to what Peter has just told us. He's just informed believers that he was going to die, reminding them to add to their faith or to build onto their faith. He was going to make every effort to remind them that even when he had passed from this earth of the importance of tapping into the resources that God has given to mature in their walk and service for the King of Kings. 
Now, this was important because according to P Peter, we do not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter is telling us here that this faith that has been passed down to us is not cleverly devised myths. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a made-up story to give false hope to a suffering people. It's not a man-made philosophy designed to find purpose in a meaningless life. Peter would hardly have devoted his life to the propagation of, of myths and wish, wishful thinking. Instead, the apostle tells us two things here in verse 16. First, notice the words, We made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The apostle declares here the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. The presence of the Lord Jesus on this earth was accompanied by power. Jesus did not speak of myths and fables. He demonstrated the reality of, of what he spoke in acts of power. The, the hold of sin was broken in his presence. The sick were healed. The dead were raised. Demonic forces of hell were pushed back and retreat into retreat in his presence. Jesus lays down his life and rises again from the dead. The power of his life demonstrated that he was proclaiming that what he was proclaiming was not a myth or fairy tales, but a powerful reality. And you cannot question the word demonstrated with such power. But notice second in verse 16, that Peter reminds his readers that not only was the presence of the Lord powerfully confirmed, but he and others with him were eyewitnesses to his majesty. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Peter speaks here from first-hand experience. He saw the Lord and experienced the miracles he did when he was with him. But he saw something more than, than the power of the Lord, however. He saw majesty. And the word majesty in the original language refers to greatness and glory. There was something about Jesus that went far beyond the normal. There was a divine quality to Jesus. He surpassed any human being that Peter or the apostles had ever seen. So he walked with them. He was great, glorious, majestic in nature. And the disciples stood in awe of him and fell at his feet in worship. They speak here as eyewitnesses who had experienced this firsthand. The power and majesty of the Lord Jesus was such that Peter and the apostles had no doubt that he was indeed the Son of God. They could not question his teaching. They chose, in fact, to live and to die for what they had learned from him. We're not presenting cleverly devised myths, says Peter to his readers. We are telling the truth in all its power and glory. And the truth Peter presented had been proven to him over and over again. 
The truth was powerful and real. The, the great and wonderful promises of God were not just mere words. They were life-giving and life-changing. Peter had witnessed this many times and testified to their veracity. And the reason we must add to our faith, according to Peter, is because we're not dealing here with make-believe. We're dealing with the power of God to overcome. We're experiencing the very real and majestic presence of God. And this is a life-transforming presence that makes us, that moves us from an ordinary worldly existence into the very experience of the eternal. Can we walk away from such a life? Can we ignore the reality of God in us? Can we deny the call of God in our lives to deeper fellowship? Can we reject the power that is at our disposal to live beyond the mundane? The fact that the truth of Jesus was so powerful, majestic, and undeniable places us under an obligation. We cannot ignore his presence in us. We dare not waste our lives in frivolities. We are obliged to surrender all we have to him. We're obliged to devote our every waking moment to building onto the faith that he has given. It is our joy. It is our experience to, to experience the, the, the power and the majesty of this great and glorious king. Now, to prove that what he was saying was true, Peter describes a very powerful moment in the presence of Jesus in verses 17 to 18. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. Now, Peter describes a life-changing incident that took place on what he describes as the holy mountain. On that occasion, the Lord Jesus re received honor and glory from, from God the Father. And, and also on that occasion, Peter and those who were with him heard the voice of God from heaven declaring, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Now, Peter is very likely describing what took place when he was with Jesus, when he was transfigured on the mountain. And on that occasion, he saw the glory of Christ revealed as he stood with Moses and Elijah. And Peter could never have been the same after that incident. That experience drove home the reality of Jesus' divinity. He saw Jesus for who he really was, the Son of God in whom the Father was well pleased. And even now, in his old age, as he writes this epistle, what he saw that day was still very real and powerful to Peter. And the truth of Jesus, according to Peter, was not a fairy tale or a myth. It was a powerful reality that had been proven to him on that mountain that day that he saw Jesus transfigured. Now, not only did Peter experience the power and majesty of Christ personally on the Mount of Transfiguration, but he reminds us of the prophetic word we have from the beginning of creation. 
Notice what Peter tells us about this prophetic word. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. How is the prophetic word more fully confirmed? Was it not in the person of Jesus Christ? Wasn't his life and ministry a fulfillment of what the Old Testament prophecies spoke about? Didn't his life reveal what the prophets had revealed and what God had revealed to the prophets? In Peter's mind, to understand what the prophets of the Old Testament were speaking about, all you had to do was look at Jesus. Jesus was the fulfillment of these prophetic words given by God to those prophets of old. And because Jesus Jesus was the fulfillment of these prophecies. Peter tells us that we would do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in our heart. We cannot ignore these prophecies and their fulfillment in Jesus Christ. Peter tells us to pay attention to them like a light shining in a dark place. That light or that lamp gives us direction and comfort in our darkness. This prophetic confirmation gives us hope. It reassures us that the truth Jesus taught is not a myth. It confirms that he is who he says he is. Now, notice also that the apostle tells us that we are to pay attention to the truth of Jesus and his teaching until the day dawns and the morning star rises in our hearts. And the reference to the day dawning, of course, is is to the day of the Lord when he returns for his own. And Peter pictures this here as a new day when the morning star rises in our hearts. And the morning star, of course, refers to the sun that rises to introduce a new day. And that new day, however, will be a day in the very presence of Christ. And so what is the apostle telling us here? He's telling us that we would do well to pay attention to the prophetic words that were fulfilled in Jesus Christ, that we would do well to listen to the testimony of Peter to assure us that he experienced firsthand the powerful and majestic presence of of Jesus Christ, and we would do well to give our lives entirely to that until we meet him face to face. These realities ought to change our lives. They ought to cause us to live differently. We, we are speaking here about the powerful, majestic fulfillment of thousands of years of prophecy, all culminating in one person, the Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot ignore this reality. We cannot live as if this was a myth that, that had no bearing on our lives. We cannot go through life as if we were not obligated to these realities. Those who know this truth cannot be the same. Just as Peter's life was transformed by his encounter with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, so all who take this matter seriously will also be forever changed. The apostle reminds us that these prophecies about Jesus were not of human origin. Verse 20, he says this, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. These men and women of God who spoke in ages past did not make up these prophecies. They were given them by the Holy Spirit. The truth of Jesus Christ 
has been confirmed by the apostles. The truth of Jesus Christ was given to the prophets of long ago by the Holy Spirit. This faith given to us is not of human origin. It is a faith proven by experience and Holy Spirit-filled prophecy. You have no cause to doubt the faith that has passed to you. The question, O Haver, is what will you do with that faith? Will you ignore the power of what has been given to you? Will you admire it from a distance but, but not live in its reality? Will you open your eyes to the majesty and the power that has made, been made available to you and surrender it to it? Will you make it your commitment to take this faith uh, seriously? And, and, and will you make it your lifelong commitment to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns? And the morning star rises in your heart. The illustration of the lamp shining in a dark place is so powerful. This lamp is our guide and, and reference. It, it's through this lamp that we see all things in that dark place. We see nothing apart from what that lamp reveals. It is the lens through which we see all things and respond to all things. The truth of Jesus Christ is the lens through which we now see the world. It is the light, the light of truth that now guides our actions and our thoughts. And it is upon the truth this lamp reveals that we build our lives. And so may God give us grace to see not only the certainty of the word that we've been given, but also may he give us the ability to be moved by that truth, to build on it, so that the life we live brings honor and glory to the powerful and majestic Savior who made it all possible. Thank you.